Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. The Book of Revelation, Session 18. This one's entitled, The Eternal Rewards of Revelation. And this is a powerful subject tonight. I'm, I'm kind of pained that we only get one session on it. And the reason I say it that way, uh, we've previously done a 14-part Bible course on eternal rewards. And honestly, if we were to reteach it, it would probably be much more than 14 sessions at this point. So now to squeeze all of that into one session just seems a bit criminal, but that's just the way it is. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to focus on the concept of eternal rewards, but we're going to look primarily, not only, but primarily at the book of Revelation because this is a subject that shows up over and over in the book of Revelation. It's a very important subject that we get. And so uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about really getting a vision for our greatness in the age to come. You know, the typical thought process in Western culture is graduate high school and then labor to get an education, labor to better yourself, labor to get some practical experience in a number of different ways so that you can be great in this hour, in this life. That you can get a good job, that you can have good experience, that you can find the right place to live, that you can kind of get settled in and have a great life in this age. And uh, I'm, I'm all for that. I think that's a great plan. I mean, follow the direction of the Lord. But we don't think it odd to invest significant energy like four years in school or eight years in school or 20 years in school. Some people are crazy. We don't think it odd to put a significant amount of energy into training, into schooling, so that we can then have decades of fruitful uh, labor in the place of a, a marketplace assignment, in a job, in, in having a profession. That kind of makes sense to us. We want to think about the same concept, but the real life you're going to live. The one you're going to live for billions of years, not just the one you're going to live for 80 years and then die. Okay, I don't know. Maybe you don't even have 80 years. Maybe you got 100 if you're really lucky or unlucky. I don't know how all that works. I haven't made it to 100 yet. But however long you've got in this life, it's a blink. It's a minute. In a billion years, you're going to think back on your 80-year internship called life, and you're going to go, man, that was such a small part of life. That was like the beginning. That was pre-beginning. You're going to think of this as like, you know, when you were just two cells. You know, I mean, before you even became four cells and eight cells and 16. When you were just two, you are just the very beginning of life. That's what you're going to think of your 80 years here on the earth. It makes sense that we would be living for eternity, that we would be living like we're going to live forever instead of living like we're going to live for 80 years. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to cry some big crocodile tears because they lived like they were going to live for 80 years instead of lived like they were going to live for billions. And Jesus is the one that said we're going to live for billions, times millions, times trillions. I mean, we're going to live forever. We want to get a vision for our greatness in the age to come. And part of what the concept of eternal rewards. We've talked a little bit about this in previous sessions because it keeps showing up in the book of Revelation. So what you've probably heard me say six sessions worth is, hey, we'll talk about that more later. Well, tonight's the later. Tonight is the time we're going to talk about it because it just kept showing up in Revelation because it's such a prominent theme. I want to break it down ever so briefly, and then we're going to start discussing what do we see in the book of Revelation related to eternal rewards. First, the word eternal meaning forever. It goes on forever and ever and ever, okay? I really like the idea of eternal things because every time I eat a cupcake, I get like three bites and it's gone. And it's like, I really wanted that cupcake. I would love it if I could just keep eating that cupcake and it would never go away. An eternal cupcake. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right. We love the idea of, uh, of eternal, this non-ending, this that's, uh, ever uh, going, never ceasing, but now we're going to combine the idea of unending with rewards. Now, rewards are not gimmies. Rewards are not default. Rewards are earned. You earn a reward. You do certain things and your parents, you know, say, hey, you've, you've earned this. You, you did this, you earned it. If you get a bonus at work or, or a, a raise, 
uh, hopefully you earned that as opposed to just continued to breathe and exist in their midst. You probably earned it. It's a reward for your actions. Now, eternal rewards, we are not talking about salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn your ticket to heaven. What you can earn is the quality of life that you have in heaven. You absolutely can earn that. And you can absolutely earn additional treasures in heaven. You can absolutely upgrade, impact your eternal reality. So we're putting these two words together, eternal rewards, eternal things that are worked for, where Jesus is the one handing out the, the gifts and the blessings and the strengths. But it's not going to be for this age. We have those as well. They're going to be eternal realities that you'll get in heaven forever. That is such a powerful thing. And I'll just tell you, when I started to get a bit of a vision for this, it shifted my perspective. Because if all you get is a pat on the back, if you forgive your enemy in this age, somebody's like, hey, good job, you forgave your enemy. That's really not enough to me because it's so much emotional turmoil to forgive my enemy. Like, that takes so much work. But if I'm going to get eternal rewards for for obedience, for costly acts of obedience to Jesus. And I go, okay, forgive the enemy now, and it costs me internally, and it hurts, but the rewards are an infinite cupcake? Sign me up. Just go ahead. Just go ahead and slap me. Let's just find me somebody I need to forgive because I want the eternal cupcake, okay, that never goes away, the, the cupcake that never runs dry. Now, I don't really think it has to do with cupcakes. I'm being playful, but I want to kind of paint a picture here. You want the cupcake. Even those of you who can't eat cupcakes or shouldn't because of your diet, you still want it, okay? There is no such thing as an eternal reward that you don't want. You want them all. I promise you. They're designed by God, and they are going to be glorious realities forever. So the subject of eternal rewards, here's the gist of it. It means your faithfulness matters. Think about the, the, there's three guys, they all work at the same business. One does a bad job, gets fired. One does just the bare minimum and doesn't get a raise. The third does a killer job and gets a raise. You want raises. You, you want for your labors to matter. You want for it to matter that you didn't just, uh, that, you, that you didn't do not bad, that you didn't just do neutral, but that you excelled, that you gave your heart and soul into it. You want to be rewarded for that and you will be. Your faithfulness matters and your lack of faithfulness will also matter. See, the, the whole concept here on these rewards, we're focusing on the positive, but the lack of faithfulness e equals no reward. And we want to make sure we get that when we're talking about these rewards, okay? Not all are going to be treated the same upstairs. You are going to be rewarded your life, your assignments, your, your function, your glory, your possessions, your position, your assignment, everything is going to be different about you upstairs, just like things are different about us downstairs. The difference is you get to decide in the next life what you get. Your faithfulness matters. Your love and obedience matters. And your, the lack of love, the lack of obedience, the lack of faithfulness, that all matters too. It matters, okay? Look at this on page uh, one, letter A. Look at all those verses. That's a lot. I put those there, not so that you could go, look at all those verses, but that you could actually go look at all those verses. <laughs> that you could go and dive in and study and like chew on it. This is a subject that has a profound amount of information in the Bible. And when you read these verses, you become convinced and then you become empowered and you become envisioned for where you want your life to go. So I want to encourage you to look at this. Jesus gave us these verses because he cares greatly about you being awesome forever. He actually is invested in your eternal condition. Not just lost or saved. That was settled at the cross and you saying yes to Jesus. Keep saying yes. This is more. This is on top of that. This is not just in heaven. This is what's in your house in heaven. Where is your house in heaven? How big is your house in heaven? What do you do on a Tuesday? Who do you do it with? What are you wearing when you do it? I mean, these are real deal, you know, uh, parts of the kingdom of God. And they're all going to matter. It's dependent on your life now and the manner of which we posture our heart and the level of our obedience to the Sermon on the Mount. 
just to simple Christianity 101. These are not like high and lofty things like that you've got to, you know, figure out secret mysteries for this to work. You just actually have to really actually believe Jesus and live it. And if you do, you're rewarded in incredible ways. Jesus cares about our greatness. That's the reason there's so much in the Bible. He doesn't want for it to be a surprise. We all show up before the throne and go, well, if I'd have known that, I'd have lived different. Jesus wants us to know that so we'd live different. That's the reason it's in the Word. Lots and lots of it in the Word. I gave you here Revelation 22, verse 12. I think Revelation 22, verse 12 says it so clearly, okay? A system of rewards. It's not just do good, get all the rewards, do bad, don't get any of the rewards. It's do this, get this. Do this, get this. Do this, get these things. It's a system. And here's, here's how you can look at it. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. What have you done? I will give to each person. This is not just lost and saved. I saw you. You were a lost person. I know where you get. You were a saved person. I know what you get. This is according to the way that we lived, according to the decisions that we made. Jesus is the best accountant. He's the one that invented the concept of accountants. He is an excellent accountant, and he is taking very meticulous notes about what you do in your heart, how you respond to people, what you do with your time and your money and your energy. How, how you're responding to the Sermon on the Mount, what you're doing with relational conflict. He is watching you, and he is taking copious notes. This is really good news, and it's also a little scary because you can't fake him out. You can fake me out. Some of you have. But you can't fake him out. There's no faking him out. It's either real or it's not, and he knows every single time. It can be real today and not real tomorrow, and he knows which is which, and you get reward for real and no, real, no reward for unreal. He is taking copious notes. You will be rewarded for what you do. That is such a powerful and a bit scary thing. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you're thinking tonight. He knows. He sees it. He sees the movements of your heart, the good and the bad. He wants to reward you, but rewards are earned. They're not just given because you woke up in the morning and didn't die today. Okay? That's important. That's how rewards work. Here's an important perspective shift, okay? We're working for the Lord. Your job, it's not for your boss. The ministry you're part of, it's not for them. It's not for me here at the house of prayer. It's not for the section leader or the worship leader. It, it's for the Lord. Read this with me. This is Colossians 3, 23 through 24, top of page 2. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, you change a tire. Whatever you do, you show up to your work that you don't like. Whatever you do, you're trying to serve uh, responsibly as a son or daughter to your parents. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men. You're not working for men. I mean, unless that's your perspective and then that's all you get. God wants you to understand if you'll have him, He's your boss in everything. How did you fix this? How did you do that? How did you respond to this? How did you deal with your boss? How did you deal with your employees? How, how, work at it with all of your heart. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Since you know he's watching, he's taking notes, serve him. Don't serve people and things and situations. Don't let that be your primary do the difficult thing that you don't want to do for Jesus, not for people. Even though the people are the ones that told you you needed to do it. When the person says you need to do this and you're thinking, man, I hate this, you say, yes, sir, Jesus. And as soon as you do that, recognize he's watching you. He sees how you're responding. You get rewards for this stuff. This is the greatest news because this means every jerk in your life can benefit you for eternity. Jerks are a gift from God. Because if it wasn't hard, it'd be no reward. If it didn't take a little bit of, uh, from the efforts of your heart. But the things that are costly, they're beautiful. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. <laughs> I love it. 
When you get that perspective shift, it changes doing the dishes at home. It changes serving your friend. It changes helping that person, doing something in ministry. After a busy week, doing the extra thing. It changes all that. And now the perspective is, you're watching me and you're really, really happy about me saying yes to this thing I really don't want to do. He loves it. And he's watching and he's rewarding you. We want to have our minds set on the next age. Colossians 3, you guys know the verse. Since we've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Set your minds. Think mostly about things above, not earth stuff. You got to navigate earth stuff because you're stuck here. But don't let earth stuff be your life. Don't let earth stuff be your brain's most, you know, the, most of the cycles of your thought be about earth stuff. Set your minds on things above. You died. Your life, this isn't really your life. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That's when you receive all those rewards. When your real life comes, a.k.a. Jesus appearing in the sky, when your real life starts, you will be glad you lived for the real life and not for this life. It's important. All right, well, I'm going to move on because I want to make sure that we actually get to uh, some of these rewards. I want to say this. The rewards that are found in the book of Revelation, I don't know if you guys have ever been to like some really, really fancy restaurant where you open the menu and you can't read anything on the menu. You don't know what it is. You're like, is that meat or mushroom? I don't know what I'm reading. And you're like, and you know it's going to be awesome because the prices are just stupid. Okay, it's like $100 for whatever that is. It takes somebody kind of helping you a little bit because you're reading this stuff and you're like, I know it's awesome because this place has got, you know, five stars and it costs a lot of money. I just don't exactly know what I'm doing. Reading the book of Revelation, Eternal Rewards, is a little bit like that because they're so incredible. It's like, how can that even be real? How can that be true? How, how can that be? And it takes a little bit of time just holding your heart before the Lord to go, that is exactly what that says that is. And I just want to tell you, it's a little bit, veiled until you stare at it a little bit part of my hope tonight is to stare at it a little bit with you and give you just a couple of interpretive ideas just a couple of things that make it really clear here's really the gist of it it, it means what it says that's really the biggest thing it means what it says exactly what it says but what it says is so outlandish it, you can't even believe it it's too impossible for it to be what it says but it's exactly what it says that's what it is so let's look at this what i did here is I broke up these eternal rewards in the book of Revelation into some themes, into some clumps. You may not like the way I broke them up. You might break them up a different way and do it better. Awesome. I just needed some way to talk about these things tonight. And so it's imperfect, but I themed them together as best as I could in the book of Revelation. First, I'm going to talk about is rewards related to access to sources of life in the age to come. Sources of life. Okay? The first thing I put on there, letter A, is this first reward says the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Now, I just want to, for the sake of not having to do it over and over, I want to read this in the opposite light so that we understand what is being said as well, okay? The one who is not victorious does not have the guarantee of not being hurt at all by the second death, okay? That's all these verses, they're talking about, if you do this, then you get this. But if you don't do this, this other thing is not a guaranteed deal, okay? It's important that we understand that. So this first one, though, it says impacted or, or uh, not hurt at all. I want to use the word impacted, okay? The one who is victorious will not be impacted at all by the second death. The second death is when all those that were lost, uh, that have not yet been judged and thrown into the lake of fire... All, all those that are in uh, the abyss, all those that have died over all the different uh, centuries, they're all judged and they're then thrown into the lake of fire. At this point, it's interesting because here Jesus is talking to believers and he's saying, I want to tell you as believers that there is going to be the capacity, not for going to hell, but the capacity during that judgment of the second death judgment of the lake of fire judgment at that time, the great white throne of judgment, Revelation chapter 21, 20, chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20, 
when that great white throne of judgment occurs and the second death happens, there will be the capacity for believers to be impacted in a negative way. Not go to hell, but things to shift in their life because notice the language. You'll not be hurt at all by the second death. Well, if all the second death means is go to hell, not go to hell, then why, call, why even bring in this phrase, not be hurt at all? Because there's going to be aspects of that second judgment that are going to occur. They're going to have impact in the lives of everybody. But the, for the victorious, not hurt at all. Now, I wonder if that even means some rewards potentially rewarded for the thousand years, but not necessarily rewarded for eternity. I wonder if that means some capacities that it's a for sure deal for some portion of the thousand years, but you know, towards the end, there's a reassessment. I don't know. I don't have a lot of clarity on that. I just know the term not hurt at all means something, okay, in relationship to eternal rewards. Second, this is access to the tree of life. Not all will have this level of access. We think about the tree of life, and we just... Our problem related to eternal rewards is if we're not careful, we just assume everybody gets 100% access to everything that's written, and that's not what it says anywhere. But we all assume that because we really want that. Part of that is a, a godly thing, the longing for it. Part of it is a, a fallacy that we believe that we're just going to be rewarded with 100 you know, point, you know, the, the, on a scale of 1 to 100, 100 is everybody's inheritance, everybody all the time, no matter what, and that's not true. Jesus says this, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I'm going to read it the other way. To the one who is not victorious, you may not be able to eat from the tree of life. Let's not assume that everybody gets full access to the tree of life. We know that the tree of life produces fruit every month in heaven. It bears fruit every month. It never ceases to have fruit. But I just imagine there's some people that get special privilege special permission, a special badge or, you know, key card or something, where they can go over to the tree of life and just take a fruit off it and just eat the thing. And that will not be everybody. Now, I think everybody's going to have access at some level because we also know that the tree of life, the leaves are for the healing of the nations. So there's going to be some access. But, I mean, just being like supernatural, like not supernatural, but very natural, to be very natural, like... The guy who owns an apple tree can go out and eat an apple whenever he wants. I got to ask that guy to make me a pie. And if I want an apple, I got to get an apple from that guy. You know, I think we'll all be eating apple pies, but not everybody's going to go get a fresh picked apple off that tree. There's going to be those that have access to the tree of life. The tree of life, you eat it and you feel even more alive, even with a resurrected body. I felt alive a minute ago, but then I ate that fruit off the tree of life. I feel even more alive. Access to the pleasures and the, the upgrade and the, the impact of eating of that fruit. This is a reward. It's not a gimme for everybody in the body of Christ. It's a reward. Next, to the one who's victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. Can I just tell you what this is in direct reference to? In the Ark of the Covenant, which we're told right now is in heaven. We're told that in the book of Revelation, the Ark of the Covenant. There's only one Ark of the Covenant. It's in heaven. There were a few things inside that glory box. One of those was the staff of Moses that the almonds budded, okay? And that's in the, uh, in the Ark of the Covenant, all right? The next is a jar of manna, a jar of manna that was retained as like proof that it happened from the Exodus. You guys remember the manna on the ground all the time? Moses and Aaron were told, go pick up some of that manna, put it in a jar, put it in the Ark of the Covenant, and it's going to be in the Ark of the Covenant forever, this is Jesus is saying, you get to eat from the sacred cracker jar. Not everyone will get to eat from the sacred cracker jar. I will give you some of the hidden manna. This is like a limited supply. Now, we also know that manna has this odd thing where it multiplies. So while it's limited, it'll never run out. But it's not like there's 10 million places in heaven to get manna. There's one place, that jar where the hidden manna was stored after the exodus for all these generations, the hidden manna. And for those who are victorious in this context, I will give you access to the hidden manna. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine being one of the dudes that gets to say, I get to eat manna. Oh my goodness. Access to the hidden manna in heaven. All right, moving on. Now I want to talk about 
eternal rewards in the book of Revelation related to our priestly roles, okay? Now, all of us are going to serve God as priests, but that doesn't mean all of us are going to have the same responsibilities. It doesn't mean that all of us as priests are going to have the same privileges, the same access, the same honor, the same duties. You know, we see in the priesthood in, in the natural that there were different levels of involvement and roles and participations and family lines and all that stuff. It's going to be like that in the next stage. So while we will all serve as priests at some capacity, those roles will have a varying uh, expression. And we see a few of them here in the book of Revelation. One of them, Revelation 3.12. To the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. Also, I just want to point this out because we don't have time to go into it all tonight. Each one of these, to the one who is victorious, it's not victorious in general. It's victorious to the specific situations that were happening in that context for which these rewards are given. So a more thorough version of this teaching would be to tell you what each thing is that's defined as do this and this equals victory in this context and that equals this eternal reward. We just didn't have time to get into all that tonight. I gave you the verses. I'm telling you that's the, the key. Go look at it yourself and go look at the context and go, oh, when Jesus uses the word victorious in this context, he means overcoming martyrdom. When he uses victorious in this context, he means not putting up with the doctrine of false teachers. Oh, when in this context, it means this. In this context, it means this. So it's, they're different. So don't look at the word victorious as general, you know, loving God, not quitting. They're specific to the context of each one of these scenarios. And again, we spent three or four weeks on these letters in the seven churches. So we actually covered all this. It's just now we're covering the second part. And that is each one of these things has a reward. Okay, look at this. I will make him a pillar, make them a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. The best uh, uh, picture of the temple in the New Jerusalem is the throne room. Okay? It's where God's presence is night and day. It's his throne room. Okay? Now, this is really interesting, and it means what it says. I will make them a permanent fixture in the throne room. They'll never leave it. That is not going to be the case for most people. Most people are going to come in, see a glass like crystal, and go out and do things. There's going to be some that they are known as the chosen pillars in the temple. The chosen pillars standing some distance from the throne. Think about the 24 elders and how close they are. This gift related to uh, being a pillar that never leaves, it has a lot to do with proximity to glory. Eternal proximity. Never leave it. I don't know how they go to the bathroom or if you go to the bathroom in heaven, but they never leave it. They are in the temple. They are permanent fixtures. This is an eternal reward. That is so powerful. Next, Revelation 3, 4 through 5. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who's victorious will like them be dressed in white. Look at this. They will walk with me. This is a, a reward to be dressed in white in the righteous garments with Jesus and to walk with him. Can I just tell you not everybody is going to regularly go on a walk with Jesus. How many believers are there right now? I don't know. Call it a, you know, a billion or maybe there'll be a billion you know, before the end of the age, maybe two billion. How many are in heaven? Half a billion, a billion? I don't know. You're talking about lots and lots and lots of people. Jesus is five foot something and he's Jewish and he's human forever. Forever. Jewish humans can walk with one, two, five, 20 people at a time, not one billion people at a time. Walk with, go on a walk with. Like the Emmaus journey, when they had their eyes open, they were walking with Jesus. There will be a chosen few, according to the way we live in this age, that will get to walk with him. Now, we don't know how regular is that. Is that once a week, once a month, once a year? I don't know, but it's a distinct reward that is gonna be given to not everybody. Not everybody's going to get regular walks with King Jesus, but some will. Get a vision for yourself in that. Start thinking about living in such a way that you would be one of those that gets to walk, go on walks with Jesus in heaven. Hey, Jesus, you're leaving the throne room, right? You're going uh, you know, down the street of the New Jerusalem, going to go check out some things over at the governmental center. Can I come with you? Sure, walk with me. Walking with Jesus. What do you do when you walk? You talk, you laugh, you walk. To walk with Jesus, that is powerful. 
That is a powerful promise for the age to come. All right, I'm going to keep going because we got more to cover. Promises about our name and about his name. Names are a big deal to God. God would rename his servants, making sure that they, they got the essence of their name. Uh, the, the, uh, those that were walking with the Lord, to be very careful with their, their naming. God would rename cities, name territories. He would name people after famous people, in his mind famous. He would, I mean, names are a big deal to God. And so when God starts talking about stuff related to names, it's access to his heart. These are things that are very near and precious to him. And they're not just universal gimmies. Revelation 2, 17, I will also give that person a white stone with a new name on it, known only to the one who receives it. I can promise you, this is not just some dumb rock. This is going to be something glorious that, again, we're reading off a menu at the fancy restaurant right now. I don't even know what this is. I just know that for God to put it in there and go, you really, really want this, like walking with me want this. You want to walk with me or do you want to rock with your name on it? A rock with a name, a new name written on it that only you and me know. Something about that intimacy and that secrecy and that friendship, that the intimacy of having a secret with Jesus in the age to come when everybody knows everything. They don't know everything. They don't know what's written on your rock. A white stone, and it won't be just some lame, you know, little stone like you, you know, find out in the road. It'll be something phenomenal. And it will have a name. And you get to carry it around. Maybe it's mounted to your breastplate. Maybe it's, I don't know, but it's your rock. And there's something super intimate about you and Jesus having a secret forever in the age to come. Where there is no secrets and everybody's got the mind of Christ and can like have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, but they cannot tell you what your rock says. That's pretty incredible. The name of God written on you. I will write on them the name of my God. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. The idea of God, right? And this won't be everybody. This is not just everybody gets this or gets that or gets this. Those that have the name of God written on them, written on them. Like, like you walk in and you're one of those guys or gals. Like, who are you? Oh my gosh, do you see them? They're coming. Who is it? I don't know, but they've got the name of God on them. This is not going to be just everybody. This is going to be those that it's a reward. If you are victorious in this way, you'll receive this reward. Part of what it is, is it's a branding. It's a badge of honor that tells your story. Because once we're up there, we'll know what rewards equal what and what that meant they did in that life, in their life. We'll be able to see and go, the name of God written on them. They served Jesus in this way and this way. That's an honor. That's, we'll go up and approach them and go, listen, this is the first time we've ever met, but I just got to tell you, I am so grateful for the way you love Jesus because of this name that's on you. I see it and I know what that means. This is going to be powerful. You know, our lives forever, we're going to talk and have fellowship and relationships and conversations. And actually, it's only going to get a whole lot better as the years unfold. We were made to talk, commune, have relationships, grow, learn, high-five each other. We were made for that stuff. We will do it forever. And so all these things are in the context of conversation. I got a lot more there about names. I got to move on, though. <clears throat> next, leadership positions in the next age. Kind of like we were talking about priests. We will all be priests in the next age. We will all have a, a, a measure of priestly responsibility. Well, Jesus is also running a government. He's ruling the planet. No, ruling the universe. And he's ruling it with people that have been faithful. He's not going to give people that weren't faithful leadership responsibility over all the stuff in his government. He's going to give people who were faithful with small things. Faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. Jesus is watching you right now to see if you're faithful to do what you say you'll do. Jesus is watching right now to see if you actually make good on the things that he's assigned you to. If you're actually being faithful in the small areas, you are faithful with little. Jesus goes, I'm watching. I know how this works. I can give you more. You'll do just like you did with the little. You weren't faithful with little. And whatever you have in this life, I don't care if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. It's still little. However much you have in this life, it is little. And whatever little you have, like you're being assessed and the Lord's going, if you're faithless with that little, I know what you will do with more. I'm not going to give you more. You'll be faithless with, with much. So there's an assessment. So we will all reign on the earth in some capacity. But 
what does that capacity look like? There's a lot of different, I mean, if you just think about the government of Texas, the government of Texas, you got the governor, you got lieutenant governor, you got those that are over school districts, you got those that are running the road systems, you got those over, you know, sanitation, you got all these people, and they're in leadership roles in the government. Well, Jesus' government is going to be at least that organized and probably more. And he's going to have real roles all the way down to the one that runs the library down the street. Okay, there's going to be real roles in Jesus' government. And those roles are going to be assigned according to faithfulness in this age. And everybody's going to know how faithful you were or weren't. It's really intense. Look at Jesus. He says in Revelation 3.21, to the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my chair. My chair. My Jesus throne chair. The one that's ruling all of the planets. If you're victorious, I'll let you sit your tootsies down, put the feet down on the ground and your tush on this cushy couch, you know, cushion with me, on my chair, on my throne. I'll scoot over and we'll share the chair. I can't believe this. Related to faithfulness in this life. Not everybody's going to sit on the chair. That's not how that's going to work. Everybody's going to have some place in government in some level, but this is powerful. This is powerful. Revelation 2, 26 says, to the one who's victorious and does my will to the end, I'll give authority over nations. I'll give authority over the nations. I'm going to put them, you're now the king of this country. You're now the, the, the uh, regional governor over these six countries. Each of them has got a king and you're the guy that's leading all six of them. This is crazy. This is Jesus' way he's going to reward us according to the way that we live our lives in this age. This is one of the most fascinating and important subjects in the word. The concept of our eternal reality, our eternal life, not our eternal on a cloud strumming a harp, our eternal Monday through you know, Sunday life, doing things with time and distance and and. And the exchange of ideas and goods and services and eating and walking and doing stuff and building. We're going to build Jesus' kingdom forever. And I promise you, you really care about what that's going to look like in the age to come. The last section we don't have time to look at was types of eternal crowns. And I want to say types. Types. Not there's one type of crown. I don't think everybody gets a crown. Because crowns are a reward for faithfulness. Every one of the crowns that's listed is a reward for certain types of activity, not for just staying saved. And the crowns that are laid before the Lord, it's, it's the laying down of that which was very costly that you labored for, not just, yeah, I gave my life to the Lord and then I was a bump on a log until Jesus came back. Crowns are rewards. And so I just give that to you. All right, well, look, now we're going to break up into groups. So uh, how many groups do we have tonight? We got four groups, okay. So who are my group leaders? Hands in the air, real high. Where are you going to be, Cass? Right, right there. Luke, are you going over here? So Luke's going to go over here. Andy's going to be in the back, all right. And then uh, Caitlin, you're going to be here-ish, okay. Uh, how many people in each group? Seven. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and break up into groups of seven. If you've got eight or nine people in your group, you probably have too many. Go to a different group. All right. We'll uh, we'll break up into groups for group discussion, and then we'll regroup here in about uh, 15, 20 minutes, and we'll do some time of Q and A. All right. Let's go ahead and transition. We're going to do questions. So I'm going to repeat the questions for those that are watching online. Andy, do you mind changing the camera angle? I think I maybe it's just not. Um, I'm going to repeat the questions that you guys ask. And uh, before we do, I just want to point out two uh, things that I. Uh, I kind of overheard from some different groups that I just thought I would uh, bring up as a kind of a little bit of a bonus. So the first thing that I, I, I want to bring up is the promise of eternal riches in heaven guarantees an eternal economy. So if there's riches, there's an economy. If there's an economy, you buy stuff. So that just, that's a whole aspect of life that makes a lot of sense on planet Earth that doesn't go away. I mean, it, it's still going to have a real place. Next thought, uh, the, um, one of the things that I think we, we read and then make mean something that it doesn't say is we read the phrases, there will be no more tears, no more crying, no, no more death, no more sorrow. 
But I think we then take that to mean 20 things that it doesn't necessarily imply at all that we take to mean. Like, there will never be any longing. A longing fulfilled is one of the best feelings in the human experience. So to have a longing, like, I just can't wait to see Jesus, like, really close, and then get to see Jesus really close, that's a, that's a fulfilled longing that we're going to, it's not like there's not going to be any more longing in the age to come. Longing, desire, and godly ambition, these things are good. And so even the point of food, like are we ever going to hunger? I think we'll experience some level of hunger so that we experience the fullness of satisfaction. And that it's not just that we're, we're constantly neither hungry nor, you know, full. That, like I think we'll have some expression. Now, you know, I don't, we're not going to like die if we don't eat, but, but at the same time, We'd never have that problem because there'd be food. So, you know. So anyway, just the, the thought process though of longings fulfilled, godly longings, God created longings. That's like, that's a good thing. That's part of the human experience. And so, um, anyway, just a thought. Okay, let's start over here. So the question is, the subject of comparison is a really big issue on planet Earth right now. Uh, if any of you have a social media account, you, you're, we, we understand the pain of that. How does comparison work in the age to come related to eternal rewards? And that one's called greatest and that one's called least. How does the, the subject of comparison kind of uh, play into all that? Uh, while I certainly don't know the, the details, I can tell you that there's a... There's a significant difference when you're talking about 100% of the people involved in the conversation having a resurrected mind and their resurrected emotions, godly emotions in check, in, you know, in right place. And so right now, we look at comparison and, and we're judging and mad at the person that has more than us. But the New Testament with unresurrected bodies says rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So the right perspective now and then is look at the cool thing that person has. That is epic. Instead of, I can't believe I don't have that cool thing. I'm so mad at them. I'm so mad at God for not giving me that cool thing. We will not be thinking that way. We will be rejoicing. The New Testament says rejoice with those who rejoice. So that's what we will do with a resurrected body and mind and life. We will rejoice with those who rejoice. So we'll be able to recognize. And while we won't be blind to the comparison. There won't be judgment in our heart about it or jealousy about it. So, so I would say that's, uh, that's how that'll work, um, at least some degree. Yep. Okay, so the question is, uh, with a eternal rewards concept, how do I live uh, in, in such a way that I don't have a works-based mindset or that all I'm doing is living for eternal rewards? Jesus said this is safe ground. No one taught on eternal rewards more in the Bible than Jesus. No one. So Jesus thought it was a safe thing to like go the distance, throw yourself into. I don't think you can wind up off because by studying eternal rewards too much or thinking about eternal rewards too much or thinking about how this is going to work because the very concept of eternal rewards is requiring dialogue, fellowship, intimacy, and humility with Jesus. So if you just did that all the time, uh, you're going to be okay. And so I think it's actually a, a, a false premise that we could wind up somehow off by doing the thing Jesus told us to do, and he told us to do it a lot. I think we will wind up far more on. I just, I don't think there's anybody been in the human history, you know, in human history that thought about eternal rewards too much and was pursuing them rightly. You can pursue anything wrongly, but pursuing these rightly that wound up off. So it's, I, I don't think it's, it's a real concern. I think it's just the opposite because Jesus is the one that says, you know, it, the meek, the meek will inherit the earth. So non-meek people will not get 
uh, territorial inheritance on the planet in the age to come. So if you want territorial inheritance, dirt, you want to inherit dirt on the planet, you have to be meek. So your pursuit that you're going to just get way out of whack on is trying to be too meek. Yeah, I think you're going to be okay. Well, just go ahead and do that. Everybody try to be too meek. I think we're going to be okay. So, uh, so anyway, but I, I mean, I understand the, the concept, but it's works-based. Like, the concept of works-based, the reason that that has gotten, like, a bad rap is because the concept of works-based, every time anybody says that, what they always mean is for salvation. They always mean, work real hard so God will like me. No, God already likes you. Work real hard so you'll go to heaven. Well, if you love Jesus, you're already going to go to heaven. Work real hard so you can get a reward. Yes, that's exactly what I tell my daughter. That's exactly what I tell my six-year-old to do. Work real hard, I'll give you this reward. And then I give her the reward. It's awesome. I love to give it. She loves to get it. It motivates her to do the same thing more right tomorrow. It's a beautiful system. And so this was something that Jesus came up with. So a great question. Uh, yeah, back there. I'm not even touching that. I'm, if that's all you got, I'm moving on. <laughs> Get everything. Yeah, okay. Great question. So the question is, there are, making up a number, 300 or 200 eternal rewards listed in the scripture. I don't know the number. 100 probably isn't an exaggeration. So there's 100 eternal rewards listed in the scripture. Could you get all of them? I don't think so. Uh, but for the same reason that I don't think you could be operating at a level 10 in all of the gifts of the spirit and all the fruit of the spirit. You don't have time. You don't have time to get all that figured out. You don't, you, we got to choose in this life. Plus, the Lord loves the variety of the variants of this one looks and, and is going to be in this way in the kingdom in the age to come. This one's going to be in this way, this one. And all of it's going to be honoring and, and uh, beautiful and expressions of glory. I mean, just like the body of Christ all has different functions and, and uh, gifts and strengths, and we celebrate those and we all come together and we, full the, we uh, fulfill the, the fullness, um, there's like each one of these, these eternal rewards costs you a lot. And you honestly don't have enough to buy all of it. <laughs> like you don't have enough time. You don't have enough emotional energy. You don't have enough uh, rebounding from getting run over emotionally and trying to do the right thing. You, you don't have enough to be able to do that. Plus, a lot of them are circumstantial. So there's a lot of the eternal rewards that are, if you're in this context and you overcome in this way, you get this reward. Well, but if you're not in that context, you can't even get that reward. And so part of it's to, rewards in heaven are going to be part of your story forever. People are going to look at you and they're going to know a big piece of your story. They're going to see the name or see where you live in heaven or see what your garments look like or see the brightness of your countenance. They're going to be able to tell details about your story and all of our stories are different. So we actually don't all want to love Jesus the same way. We want our love to be a, re a reflection of us and our, our love to him. And while you want that to be wholehearted, you being wholehearted and me being wholehearted are going to look different. And, uh, and so our pursuit of eternal rewards and even the, the human capacity to, to do all 100 of these things at a level 10, I, you just, you can't. I mean, it's, so that's why you got to look at it and go, well, what's my bet? I can tell you as I read these eternal rewards, there's certain rewards that I'm like, that is going to be so awesome to go visit my friend and hear about their story. And I don't want that one. I want this. I mean, if I have to choose between this and this, I want this one. And it's kind of that way to a degree because of the energy spent and the, you know, what, what you're doing, what you're pursuing. So, uh, but there's no reason you couldn't have a whole, whole lot of them. And I think that's, uh, we want to go for that. So great question. Last question. So similar question, really, uh, and that is, can we know what rewards we're going to have in the age to come, and should we aim our life to try to acquire certain ones? I would say, if the question is, is it possible to know? Yeah. Um, second question, should you aim? I sure am going to. 
um, because we're given those rewards. It's not like it's a, it's not like the wheel of fortune just spins. It's like if you were really good, you, you lived a good life, we'll spin the wheel and see what you get. You can know exactly what you're going to get based off of what did you pursue? What did you give your life and energy to? Worship team, you can come on up. What did you pursue? What did you invest in? And so with a measure of certainty, you can know just because you and your own heart know if you're doing it or not. And if you are, the word says God's going to give you that. You know if you're not, and don't fake yourself out. I think also the Lord could give you divine revelation. Paul was told, Paul, you have received the prize, the thing that you've been running for, the specific of the fullness of what you've been pursuing. You've got it. You can die now. You've got it. I mean, we see, you know, Enoch was told, you know, that he, he was told specific aspects about his eternity based off the way that he lived. You got it. You can be done. I mean, we see in the scripture those that had it. And then as far as the, the specific pursuits, that's what a reward is. If I, if I told my six-year-old, hey, if you vacuum tomorrow without me telling you, then I'll give you a piece of candy. But if you decide that you want to go in the backyard and help your mom with the gardening instead, then I'll give you a cupcake. Well, she gets to, but she's only got so much time <laughs> and she doesn't have enough time in this scenario to do both. You get to pick, you know, help with this and get to this or help with that and do to that. And so, uh, so I think it's absolutely, they're on the menu for us to look at, gain clarity on and set ourselves. And, and a lot of them are things everybody wants to do. Be meek. I mean, we're all supposed to be meek. But are you going to really go after it? Or is meekness just going to be part of your pursuit of Jesus? You know? Uh, faithful with little. Are you going to go really, I mean really after, I am going to be faithful with what I've been given so that I will be given 10 cities in the age to come. That's the promise. You were faithful in a few things. Now inherit 10 cities in the next age. Faithful with little. We all want to be faithful with little. But are you going to really go after it and go, I'm giving my life to that one? Because I want the 10 cities. I want to be the king over 10 cities in the next stage. So there's these kinds of things that it's like, yeah, you want to understand eternal rewards because they are really going to tactile matter to you on a Tuesday in the next stage. So you want to you know what that is. And you want to aim for that. This is a glorious subject. The verses I gave you on page one are only a fraction of what's in the word. This is something you want to gain clarity on. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.